Keep in touch with the Wolf Connection podcast on our Instagram handle at the Wolf Connection pod or email us your questions, comments, and guest ideas to podcast at wolfconnection.org. Thank you for your support and howls to you all. Welcome to the Wolf Connection podcast. I'm your host, John Calvin. So I'm running solo on this specific podcast. Uh, Steven is not with us, but he'll be on the back end helping edit this together. So it's morning for me, but we're in the evening in Poland. So we're very excited to do more international podcasts and speaking with individuals who are over in Europe, uh, knowing that wolves are coming back or they are back and the things that are going on between wolves and people in these different scenarios. So The guest today, she is an author. She wrote Instinct about wolves in Polish forests. She's coming to us from Moguski National Park. It's in the south of Poland. I think I got that right. Uh, And she is Anna Majuk. So Anna, it's so nice to meet you. Um, I'm glad that this all worked out, that we could uh, talk and, and get to know you. So how's everything going? So hi John, I'm I'm very glad and happy to 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 be a guest uh, in your podcast. Um, it's going great, you know. There is uh, we have the beginning, I would say, because here in the mountains it's it's coming a bit later, um, the spring. So everything is very green and beautiful, and you know we have uh, those wolf pups coming just now. Uh, this this pack of wolves that I'm let's say tracking, and I live in this in the area of this uh, pack. They actually already have the, um, the, the, the the pups, so I'm you know very excited and yeah we'll see. So that's that's more or less um, the spring here. That's that's incredible, and it's it's so wonderful that you're you're in this forest, and it's really the the forest seems to be the tie for everything about you. Is that you wrote that about the, in your book? You grew up in Polish in the in Poland's forest. Just give everybody a background about what that's like for you as a child and and as a as a younger individual growing up in these forests and now re- being inside the national forest and tracking these wolves now. Sure, um, I will try. <laughs> Uh, So actually, I come from the north of Poland, not uh, from the south that I am living um, actually right now. But uh, and I come from the lakes and forest region, more flat, uh, but but still not not um, not a total meadow. Mm, But uh, so also a lot of nature and a lot of wolves there, too. Uh, I think we're going to go at some point to the Polish uh, wolf's history, so I'm not going to evolve too much about this right now. But uh, those two parts actually were the parts, so the the, the, the mountains and also the Mazuri, Varmian Mazuri region, so the lakes region, were two parts where wolves were uh, present almost through the whole throughout the whole history. You know, like um, in different parts of Poland, they were distinct; they were exterminated. Uh, but not 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 in those two parts. So in a way, I could say I was always connected to them. Um, but growing uh, up in 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 a place like that, uh, surrounded by forest, even though I grew up in a small town, not not in the village, you know, 
uh, we were, me, my parents and my brother, we were uh, going to the forests a lot, just, you know, picking mushrooms, berries and just walking around, uh, sometimes getting closed and, and uh, founding each other, I mean, ourselves in, in that forest. So it, um, it somehow shaped me, you know, like... Um, after some time when I uh, went to study in uh, Warsaw, uh, I studied journalism there in the capital of Poland. I always, uh, I was always coming back to, to to visit my parents. And the first thing or the second thing after seeing my dog and then my parents, uh, I was going to the forest to, to have a walk, you know, and just to be on my own in the forest. So... I think it it was just the basic foundation of of who I became and uh, living in the city for like 10 years in a big city I mean the capital uh it was very uh well interesting too but I always missed the nature you know I I miss not having people all over uh, all around like those noises artificial noises i mean because the noises in the forest it's totally different they're natural natural you know this is like you don't even i mean i hear them i recognize the particular voices of course uh, and sounds but uh, but they're not um disturbing they are not tiring like the voices of the city so so yeah I was always missing missing the the nature part. So after some time I came back to uh to this north of Poland part. But then you know different things in life happened and I'm here uh, in the south which is even better because here we have all the big carnivores so like not only wolves but bears, lynx and all, even the wild cats. So you know this is the like we have this complete um predator um, i don't know how to, how to say that yeah but so more or less i guess um that answered the question <laughs> yeah no that and, and it's we've talked with other people who find calmness or stillness in the forest and to hear it from you especially in because we're used to talking with individuals from north america you know in the united states or canada so to hear those places exist in Europe, it's it's a refreshing thing for, I think, for people to hear who are going to listen to this and understand that there are other places to go that you can find these, like you said, these ambient noises, these beautiful natural noises and these incredible forests. Because I looked at some of the pictures that you, you have on your Instagram and, and some other photos where you're in articles and the greenery is, so, it's so green. It reminds me of the Pacific Northwest here in, in the United States, where it's so rich, it's so vibrant. And you, you just said you have all these predators. What's that like for you, just to be aware that there are all these incredible animals around you when you go walking in these forests? Yeah, Um it makes me so happy. <laughs> That's the first thing. Yeah, but honestly, it's. Um, I feel both honored in a way, like that, that I still have a chance to 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 you know meet sometimes, but even to see some tracks or you know some other um, evidence, let's say, of uh, left by those 
uh, animals that just this is enough to know that they're they're in the forest you know that they're there somewhere in the mountains uh, I don't have to actually encounter the animal to to be happy you know because uh, I know that after you know studying this for a long time and just being in the nature I know for animals it's not that that great to meet us you know to have a personal uh, <laughs> encounter competition yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> direct right it's probably quite uh, scary and very stressful for them so I'm even sometimes I'm even more happy just to you know see them from afar just to see that they were there before me some time before so yeah um it's beautiful it's amazing and I do every everything I can to to keep that um state of being let's say I mean to keep that um you know to help um keep the protection of those animals because wolves are fully protected in Poland bears are f- fully protected in Poland lynx and wild cat too so fortunately but you know with especially with wolves the situation is very difficult and especially hunters this group is trying all the time to revoke the the law right to get it back to to hunt um, hunt the wolves but yeah, I think we're gonna talk about it some more later too. But um, so, but for now, since we have the protection, um, uh, also the European Union helps to keep this law, the the full protection, because we have this um, it's called derogative, I think, uh, that just every single European, uh, I mean, uh, European Union country has to. Um, oblige let's say those rules right and the wolves are like by this law should be protected or at least in in some way so this helps helps a lot but um yeah it's still not easy and and you know we are lucky for for example bears this is the only region here and the tatra mountains so nearby and bieszczady mountains anyway the south of poland this is the only place in poland where we have bears left right in other parts there are no bears um like you know in the lowlands there are no bears because those forests are too too fragmented even biawowieża forest i don't know if you heard about it about it you you said before that we have beautiful forests in poland so it's worth to um, mentioning uh forest so the ancient actually forest the only ancient for real ancient forest in europe uh, that um, is being cut down in pieces, at least right now, because of the, uh, be- oh, because of different things, but also because of the forestry, you know, like trying to push push it over, and also we have this um, refugee crisis, which is only a uh, for politics you know they just use it as a as an excuse to to go into that forest and do some damage but you know with the oldest forest in in europe which is so so crazy if yeah but i absolutely uh i would say go there and it's this forest is on the border with belarus so the rest of the biovision national park is actually going through the belarus and there in Belarus, from Belarus, bears were starting to come to Poland, but then they built this fence, you know, for the refugees not to come, not to cross. So, you know what they did what, with the fence, right? They they stopped all the migrations of, of the animals. So what I'm saying is 
um, it's very particular to have some of the like wild cats. It's all only here in the south of Poland that we have those wild cats. So it's really rare. And yeah, I I do whatever I can yeah. to, to to protect to help to protect them. Yeah. It's interesting that we draw these parallels and, the, and there's so much in our face about, like you said, the the refugee, whether you want to call it a crisis or just refugees in general of, of where they need to go to, to find exactly. a better life. And also the bears trying to migrate and find a better life too and how we really draw parallels to human and animal migrations and what we're doing to fragment those things. And, and whether we do it consciously or unconsciously, it just it's not only something that happens here in North America, let's say it's happening across yeah. the globe in, in different ways. And it's it it's it's saddening to hear that and that's and it's and it's not something that's up on the top of people's minds. I think they don't really understand that. You did mention about the the protections for these for all these for all these animals, the bear, the lynx, the wolf and, and things like that. When your wolf journey began, what was, what really got you into this? Because, and we'll, and we'll sort of dive into the wolf history there in Poland, but you, you have this beautiful relationship with nature and the forestry there. So what was it about wolves that brought you into this foray that you're now almost, I think a decade in of, of studying them and tracking them and doing what you do? You know, it was kind of... I would say an accident, but I'm sure it wasn't an accident. Yeah, uh, something from inside this voice, inside voice would always call like, okay, do something around nature, you know. And uh, I was, I was writing. I was a journalist, and I was writing articles about animals, about um, animal studies. I would say stuff or those animals that were let's say, rescued from some uh, fair farms or whatever, you know, those foxes or for fair, for, um, yeah, fair, is it the correct word uh, in English, I think? The, to, yeah, you know, fur farms. Yeah, coats made from, from animal. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, they yeah they basically would, would catch them and then it, and skin exactly. them. And, and exactly. Pelts, so, yeah, yeah. I, yep. I was always interested, interested in trying to, somehow be involved and like tell people tell the public these terrible stories but yeah and at some point in 2014 that was this accident i would say uh, i saw a lady reading a book called feeding the wolves and it was as i say right now i say it's the worst possible title for a book wolf <laughs> a book about wolves right like Come on, you right. really shouldn't. It's absolutely no good to feed the wolves. But then I didn't even think about it. I just saw the uh, the layer and I thought, oh, interesting. Yeah. So I just went to, to the library, took that book from the library. And it was a very bad book, but it had this note at the end. It was a novel, a love novel, something with wolves that really unrealistic and everything. Funny thing is it, it was a story of my friend, current friend, but back then I didn't know her. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 oh, the wow. writer just listened to that story and in a way just you know told it uh in her own way um but then at the end uh she 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 said something about this uh scientist and it wasn't the one i actually contacted in the end but 
I did my research and I saw, okay, the biggest, uh, like the most famous um, wolf researcher in Poland is, uh, is a Sabina Nowak, Pieruszek Nowak. She's very like world famous uh, in the field. If somebody is really in the, into the wolves, then probably in Europe, she, she or he would know uh, or heard Sabina's uh, name. A lot of publications and also okay okay i have to meet her i have to go there i have to write because i was also writing a lot of articles about women like you know trying to give especially girls that uh, i also try to empower girls you know young girls so like give them those role models great examples of who you can be if you only want to be so because in a way maybe i like that you know those women female uh, role models so uh, I went there to meet Sabina and she did this uh, beautiful with her, um, with this other scientists and some other people that were tracking wolves uh, in the south and some other mountains in Poland. And I went there with, with the, a group of British students of ecology or, or something. And we were tracking wolves for one week. And it was just amazing. I mean, I heard howling for the first time, you know, like so, so beautiful. So like I fall in love with wolves. That was the first thing. Second thing, I just um, I like understood at that point that wolves are those animals that are so misunderstood, you know, that are so misrepresented, that are so. I mean, there is so much poaching and everything still, even though there is there are protected. And I thought I thought. Okay, I have to do something about it. I want to do something about it. I want to be a voice for those animals in a way. Uh, like they can speak like the language we can understand, but I can do it. So I want to tell the public about about them. But then at, in 2014, I still didn't know how to do it. I mean, there were some books in Polish and some English books, you know, like, I mean, translated into Polish, but from there, you know, a literature literature from about books is about wolf stories quite quite huge so i didn't want to write just another book about wolves right so so i wrote some articles i did some education and i was really this was basically the point where i where i understood that i can um connect and do those both both of those things like write about nature and and tell people explain to them the nature process processes and this yeah basically the whole ecosystem correlations and right yeah so i can combine those two things writing and being in the nature because for me to write about something i need to go and uh, experience this I, I actually need to experience otherwise i just don't i'm not able to write well this this you know this part this thing this, explain this to to others i really need to experience it myself so so yeah that was basically the the story how it started yeah for you that and it makes sense because you want anytime you write something i would imagine that you again you want the the reader or whoever is going to pick this up or see it that they understand full, they get fully engrossed in whatever they're seeing. And, you know, like you say, you, you've lived it for, for, a, for a while 
And that's, that comes through in the writing that always comes through is when people can, they find that it's genuine. It's not just a sort of like a, you know, an educational or a, or a book, you know, something that people, Oh, I read this in other books. So I'm going to translate this in my own words. It's you having a living, breathing experience within these forests, talking about these wolves, understanding the plight of what's happening and that comes across obviously as something that's more engaging and more human and more that people are able to to correlate with and and you said that about we were just discussing before we got on about your book and you, you sent me the 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 one chapter you had and i think what's interesting and and explain this too is you wrote in the way that was from the perspective of the wolf so what was that like to in the in the chapter that you sent me what is that like or what are you trying to convey to the to people because as you start this journey what are you looking for people to get out of that to understand when you're looking at the wolf and the physical characteristics and and what they're seeing through their eyes what's the what are you trying to emote or, or get for from the from the reader in this situation yeah so um before I get to that, I just um, I will just say that um, you know it was um, first of all it was important for me to to find this angle, as you said, personal. Let's say um, the point of view, this perspective that I want to show people, and as long as I didn't have it. I didn't write the book. I just wrote these articles, different articles on the, yeah. But once right. at some point I, I just discovered, okay, this is the idea, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what nobody else uh, has done in, in Poland, at least in, in the Polish context. And yeah, it was the combination of, um, of the different things. But one of them was, in general, it was about showing perspectives different perspectives so wolf a wolf perspective is one of them but there is also a hunter or hunter's perspective uh photographers and filmmakers perspective um farmers um biologists and researchers uh who else is there like regular people who just live you know nearby and for nearby forests or whatever in the villages um yeah more or less probably i'm not sure if i counted all the groups uh, uh yeah f- 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 foresters I think you got most <laughs> yeah. of them yeah foresters also yeah. yeah because there are some of them are hunters but also they are like a different group too not not uh, all of them are against wolves it's it's more complex so my idea was to to show all of those perspectives perspectives so people uh, i mean the readers could get uh, an idea to like to understand to make them uh, to help them understand uh, why wolves are so loved and hated at the same time i mean as, as many people hate wolves as as you know love them as some some the other part is the the ones that love them and i think it's one um one of the animals that actually um makes us feel so like contrary emotions at the same time and it's it was very interesting so coming back to the wolf perspective um 
it was risky for me and I didn't I wasn't sure if if it was the way the right way to do it uh, I didn't know anybody in Poland who would um, do it in such such way because it's a reportage so it's like this kind of book you know quite serious it's based on facts so how do you tell a story from a wolf like with you know going with wolf eyes or whatever so uh i really try to base uh, base it on facts you know so for example uh in this first chapter you have a story of a freya freya what's uh, that's the name of the she wolf and she was a young like almost three years old uh female wolf uh raised and born in Bieszczady mountains and she traveled like uh I don't remember exactly right now but quite a lot uh, 400 or 500 k- uh, kilometers uh to to some it's for a for a you know wolves can travel to to thousand or, or more but uh it was quite quite far and it was very difficult you know this, this migration because she had to cross a lot of borders like uh, you know, busy roads and different things. So it was quite an adventure. And she was a small wolf, you know. Uh, and uh, I know her story because she had a radio collar. And uh, I met the scientist who who put the radio collar on on her and um, on her neck. And he's a great guy, like looking at the nature, uh, like like this whole ecosystem. And very, I really like his perspective because he's not only about doing the research but really about uh, a welfare of of those animals so i, I love this uh, this kind of um, perspective from biologists it's not obvious sometimes it's just about doing the research <laughs> uh, right. so so freya um she was a perfect example like for me she was you know this very adventurous young wolf who would go and and look for her own home, uh, wander in the world, not knowing what's gonna happen and what she's going to find there. And I had a lot of um, data, so I could actually say when I'm saying, okay, she left this forest looking like that and that, and then it was freezing mi- minus let's say ten, and then it was snowing. So, I actually had this information, you know, so it wasn't, it was kind of like she could have seen this or that, but yeah, she was crossing this, this places, those places. So I actually could write about those places, trying to imagine that maybe she noticed something or that she hunted this or that animal. So it was in a way a wolf perspective. You know, I tried to give people the idea how this wolf life uh, looks like. Uh, without just saying wolves are these animals who hunt deers, blah blah blah, because this is just boring, you know. People wouldn't I care, I guess. <laughs> they wouldn't yeah, engage yeah. in it. And yeah, that yeah. way, people tell me, okay, this is lovely, you know, and then they are heartbroken because Freya dies at the end. I mean, um, not at the end of my book, but she makes it to this place where she would probably start a family because there was another. Um, nearby there was a um, another pack but she found some some you know some area without any wolves but you know there were probably there would come uh in in time because she spent there like few months but she was poached she was she was poached she was killed by by a hunter from slovakia probably uh, where at the time they could have um 
hunted, they could have uh, shot wolves. But she was shot on the Polish side, so it was illegal. But, you know, it's it's very complicated and uh, nobody was uh, evicted for that. You know, nobody was um, went to jail or even paid for that. So, so yeah, so this is the story that breaks people's hearts. But I think uh, it's the only way to... Um, to make them understand is to make them feel and care about yeah that was my idea to make them care about those animals yeah it's necessary i think it's very necessary i've read a lot of wolf books and the the journeys that you or the journey you described just now with freya is it happens I think more often than people want to learn or people know about it is that these wolves traverse very long distances and a lot of times it ends up um, maybe not with a human caused mortality, but the wolves will, you know, die, whether it's interpack dynamics or um, pack on pack or wolf on wolf. Um, so I think it's it's necessary for individuals and, and groups who are reading these stories to understand that animals are not superhuman. We just spoke with another author, not I think earlier this week. And then I people sometimes believe and this got back to what we were talking about with anthropomorphism. I can get that word eventually. That we 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 get attached to whatever animal it may be. It doesn't necessarily have to be a wolf, but and we we believe that these animals maybe you know in the back of our minds we know they will live forever. But we have this connection, this deep rooted belief that we're going to see this animal for a long time. And sometimes when they when they transition or pass, however it may be, it's devastating and it hurts. Um, but it's it's a beautiful way to share a story and a journey that way to understand that life continues to move to move on once once these animals uh, transition. So Anna, please talk about the book in and of itself. And you've described to me that uh, you've had some wild wolf encounters. You've been out with them. Just tell everybody really. Um, about the book and, and how those wild wolf encounters have impacted not only you, but learning about the ecosystem, learning about how they um, are doing in Poland and really how they've um, impacted the book and, and your story in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so you actually put it uh, quite well because, um, um, yeah, this this my journey with this book, I would say, Mm, discovering, understanding um, the wolves, you know, the, the the worth of the wolves in a way, and the, how they live, and um, yeah, it, it was a journey uh, of my own too. Uh, so I needed to took it uh, in order to, yeah, to to get closer to them in a way, obviously in a way, because. You shouldn't get too close to, to a wild wolf. Uh, it's it's not safe for the wolf, I would say. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, so in a book, I uh, as we as we spoke, yeah, we um, I talked to different people, different groups, but also uh, there were my um, I wrote about my own experiences with uh, in the forest, basically, you know. So um, I think in a book I wrote only about three encounters uh, with wild wolves. 
and uh, I had some more, like maybe uh, two or three more after. But you know, um, uh, as someone who, it's not that easy to 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 meet a wolf in a in a wild forest, you know, unless even if you know where uh, where they live, where they like, you know, the, the center of the uh, of the ter- territory they live in. Still, it's not obvious you're gonna meet them. So, so I always like wow. It's it's always great. But uh, I remember, and I think like the the first uh, encounter I had was the most important one in a sense that it switched everything, like changed everything, like my uh, way of seeing, like my views on um, on how to encounter, how, how to approach wild nature. Like, so I put it in the end of my book and it was, as I said, the first encounter with wolves uh, a few years back in the mountains, different ones that I live in right uh, but uh, I was uh, there with my ex-partner right now, but like we were just walking, you know, uh, there like, like, let's say tourists, but I know those places uh, from my research, uh, you know, for, for the book already. So like I went there and I had this feeling that mm, we can meet some wolves here. Like even though it was the middle of the, day, well, not the middle of the day, it was already around, um, five o'clock so okay but very sunny it was may um and so you know uh, little pups just came well they just uh, came into life i would say uh were born and uh yeah and mother were probably uh, with them in a den and we were there in the in this uh walking um through this meadow and at some point, we stopped and just, you know, enjoyed the view, blah, blah, blah. And then I looked, I'm like, hey, there's a wolf coming from the forest just on the other side of the meadow. Like, it was very far. It was like, um, I don't know. I don't remember. It's like about 500 meters, really far away. But we had this, you know, uh, camera with long lenses. So, okay, we looked through the lenses. We didn't have the... Um, binocular how do you call it this um you know yeah, yeah the binoculars yeah, yeah. so uh, not not at this uh, moment so we looked through this camera okay I'm, i see one young wolf just coming uh from the forest and then lying in the grass and just rolling on the, on his back and or her back I, i'm not sure you know and just like they're lying in the sun it, it, it looks like okay he's he's just you know lazy and enjoying the sun or whatever and then, um, okay, so I, ex-boyfriend of mine, he says, okay, go approach him a little bit, see better. Because the camera was going to get, uh, the battery was going down. So we would, you know, lose the close view. And I said, no, but, I, but then, okay, 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 I'm going to go very slowly. But then he went after me. So we were walking in a line. You know, we were far, but still we wanted to get closer. And um, then we saw another wolf. So there were, in the end, two young wolves just, you know, having fun there on on this um, meadow. Anyway, we approached them, I think, maybe it was around 100 uh, meters. And at this point... They saw us before that the wind was, you know, the opposite side and everything was like 
we, we were good to go. We were walking slowly and all. Um, and then they saw us and get, you know, very like, um, well, disturbed. They didn't know what we were still. They couldn't smell us, sniff us, and then, well, not sniff us, but smell us. Um, so they start to move, then they um, slowly get back to the forest, to the line of the forest, and then disappeared in the fo forest. One of them uh, did uh, like a round <laughs> uh, and get closer to us from one side and just checked what we were, you know, to make sure if we were people. Anyway, uh, it was it's a long story, but to tell I, I, I tell it so... For me, it was kind of a sh to be honest, that I approached them, that I scared them, that I, you know, that my curiosity to see them from up close was bigger than um, kind, some kind of respect of their, you know, life and being there peacefully, calmly, and, you know, I, I disturbed them. I could have just stayed where I was and, you know, just leave it be, be happy that they're there, then I, that I saw them. Okay, it's not something huge, you know, it's it's not a huge disturbance, but still, at this moment, I wouldn't I wouldn't repeat this uh this behavior. I would just just watch from far and um yeah, yeah. So the next uh, few encounters were just much shorter. Uh, you know, just in the forest, walking somewhere and then seeing the wolves and just stop and just look through those extra eyes, lenses, you know, and, and be happy that those wolves are there for a few seconds at least. Mm. And two of them were actually during the uh, mating season, so in around February, uh, which is around Valentine's, which is also funny. <laughs> But but yeah, the, the, then the, the wolves were quite um, you know with, with a head wherever in, in in the clouds, and and I think it's much easier to to see them to meet them at, at this time. But um, but yeah, the, this is like the lesson I got in a way that you know you don't have to um get closer you don't have to experience more i mean you want to obviously yeah this this um this is something that um, yeah everybody wants to experience who who in a way uh you know wanted to meet wolves obviously but i think it's worth it not like to stop yourself you know to to say okay but but am i like, do I really have to uh, approach? Do I really have to cross this mm, invisible line, you know, to scare those animals? So, yeah, so uh, this is a lesson I also got and from the wolves and in a way, and, and I told it in a book. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a story of glory, but um, I guess it's, it's a good one, uh, the one that changed me a lot. I had also a few encounters with the wolves, you know, the, uh, that that lived um, in captivity, and uh, I wrote about those too. Uh, this is this is uh, another story, completely different story, but those those were also lessons, like 
for example, when I saw this um, wolf uh, also from afar, because she was um, taken by people from a den when she was little. Then she was, uh, you know, um, let go to the forest because she was probably too problematic for people. And then she would come to villages and, you know, beg for food and would be, again, problematic. So hunters wanted to kill all the wolves. This story, you know, was going on. And and so she was uh, taken away from the wild and put in this, um, like, enclosure, but only for some time. They, they, they didn't know what to do with her. There was not... There was no good place to put her. Anyway, she was quite wild still, you know. She wasn't afraid that much of people to, to that she would approach the village. But on the other hand, she was still, you know, wild. So when I looked at her, I was looking to to, to see her even in the in this enclosure. And I saw her by her ears, you know. Her ears were just like I could see them from some bushes, like the it was it was so amazing because somebody told me before, okay, sometimes you 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 just look around, you have this feeling that a wolf is watching, but you can't see he or she, you know, this wolf. Uh I'm using he she on purpose because, you know, I, I think it is just yeah. You never know, right? <laughs> so, so, uh, I, I, yeah, this person said, um, and then you see only the ears, only the, the ears that, that are, you know, visible from, from somewhere, some bushes or whatever. And it was also a lesson. And yeah, so I wrote about all of those stories because, like, those wild wolves, the wolves that were taken by people. And then there were, there were also wolves that were, for example, um, that people uh, took and uh, bred with with their uh, dogs and and or somehow there were hybrids taken from the um, nature and some people raised them because they you know got some um, uh, agreement from the government to to do so so like all of those stories you know tell the bigger story of of our coexistence with wolves. And yeah, each each of each of these uh, stories um, would tell me something else about this relationship and wolves themselves. Yeah, it's a complicated relationship. Very isn't complicated, it? as you can as you can hear. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, I. I still, I am still learning, you know, it's not like I have all the answers and, and okay, I wrote the book and now I know how to uh, solve the problems, you know, um, on the line of, you know, human, human uh, wolf line, like it's, it's so complex. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, it's worth just asking those questions and, and yeah, trying to observe and uh, learn, yeah, those lessons. And I think we can learn a lot. <laughs> from the wolves and yeah did you yeah i mean for those for those experiences that you had in multiple different settings were the lessons the same or were they all a variation of the same lesson or different completely for you no completely different i would say i mean okay uh the the main uh thing that would um like uh, make it make it on uh, make it all one was that yeah the step back 
uh, of humans of us you know us making more space for for uh, for the wild nature would be the general i would say lesson like okay you you have this impulse to help you know you see a, a small wolf okay maybe it's lost or I, I need to help i need to take it from from the nature no you know take a step back leave the wolf seriously it's even better if you don't call anyone than if you just do something stupid on on, on you know you, probably people just do those things because they have no not enough knowledge uh, how to behave but yeah most of the times for the nature it's better when we just um, do nothing sometimes it's brutal it seems brutal but you know if you know the the how it works uh, inside that um, ecosystem yeah that's only the half of the the uh, the pups that uh, are born each year are able to survive right like the first year and all this then you you understand it's also complex and it's not only on you and if you put your finger into into all that you can do a lot of mess and yeah a lot of problems for for more problems than good actually so that would be the biggest lesson and like the little ones were yeah different different things and obviously white wolves um those domesticated wolves those uh, wolves in the uh in the captivity you know small different messages but in the end i i think all of it gets to that bigger bigger um message yeah issue i want to ask you too because it's you cover all different perspectives and and you named all the different individuals that you interviewed what was that like for you as a could you have a journalist background and now when you're writing this this book what's the prevailing thought for people that are not, I would say, I'll just say on the opposite side of, of loving wolves, you know, there are people, like you said, that are fans of wolves and there are others that dislike them for whatever the reason may be. What's the, what's the, what are the main reasons you found for those that were against wolves in some way or another? Um, it's, it's again quite complex. Uh, there are different, uh, few different reasons, but often they go in packs. <laughs> I would say. Uh, so, first of all, I think it's a competition, you know, with wolves, uh, and it's a battle of power, or for you know, who has more power over the forests over the deers in the forests, over the, uh, yeah, whatever, um, more power in general. So when wolves are not, uh, when they are protected, they are not uh, shot by hunters. They are not the ones who decide how many animals, let's say deers or wild boars or whatever, are left in the forest. It's also up to wolves. Can you imagine? But yeah, seriously, I I know this is the the kind of um, the way of thinking that they they have because they told me a lot of them were speaking quite openly with me because um, you know I came to them as a stranger, so they didn't know my perspective, and I didn't say okay, I'm you know this ecologist, <laughs> this how how they call us here in Poland green 
they say, yeah, you're green. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't give them my my um, perspective. So they, I mean, I would argue with them sometimes, but only only after they told me their truths, because I really wanted to understand, you know, what they have in mind when they um, kill an animal and why do they, um, yeah, as, as, as I said, in a, in a way they battle, they fight with wolves. Uh, so, so yeah, this power dynamics is the first thing. The second is money. Uh, but for now, I'm talking about hunters, right? Money, uh, with farmers, it would be money too. But with hunters, it's uh, the more wolves kill, like, you know, different herbivores, like deers and, and others, the less hunters can kill because they need to, like, um, take those away from their um, the numbers that they are allowed to to, to shut every every um, year or every, yeah, it's, I think it's every year they establish how many they can shoot. So, so you know, if wolves kill, let's say, uh, I don't know, 300 uh, deers, then they have to take that off the their list. So, you know, it's so much less money. I mean, so, so you know, it's terrible for them. Okay, one huge deer is like, I don't know, a lot of money. So it's, again, economy. Uh, also, some of the hunters say, we could give that meat, you know, it's wasted. This meat is wasted. We could give it to the kids in the schools, you know. And that that way it's wasted on wolves. Come on. <laughs> yeah, seriously, this is the, uh, the, 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 the this, this funny, I don't know, this is really... That far away from my thinking that um, that's that's yeah even funny for me. But uh, and then uh, there are scary things like uh, what else? Um, well, some people fear wolves, obviously. And the interesting thing is that hunters, in a way, I think they fear predators. Uh, think about it like that. I like not not you know I'm. Not very big, uh, rather skinny, uh, not very tall. And I go to the forest, not armed, alone, in the night, during the night, you know, and I don't fear animals, right? Okay, when I know that there are bears in the forest, I'm more cautious because I know it's, you know, I need to be. I know my way around, but I don't fear that something will happen. I don't, you know, I'm not scared. And hunters, they always have to have a gun with them. They don't go... So many of them told me without my dog and my gun, I, I'm so afraid that those wolves will, you know, come and do me, like they harm me, they, they, they whatever, they're going to, you know, attack. This is so crazy, you know, because wolves, uh, unless they were taken as as little cubs from, from the den uh, and raised by a human or, or they were fed, they wouldn't attack you. You know, wild wolves, they don't attack people. It's really like something very terrible must must have happened that that if if a wolf attacked a person, but normally they, you know, the even in the United States that you had like some accidents, but still those are like almost non-existent. So so it's so funny they actually fear the nature, and because of that fear they they have to protect. I and I see I I. I show the quotes right it's quotations yeah yeah it's it's interesting that that power dynamic it's not it doesn't surprise me i guess because it's we see that here in north america and i'm sure you've read how the north american 
wolf coexistence push or the, the legislation, some of the stuff that comes down. And a lot of those same thought processes are here in the, in the United States about, especially in, in the West where there's a battle over prey species, whether it's caribou, moose, elk, deer, and the amount that's needed for hunters, they feel to either sustain, you know, sustainable hunting where people actually shooting the, the meat that they're going to consume throughout the year or whatever it may be. And then others that just shoot or poach, depending upon who it is, to take that elk or take that moose, whatever it may be for sporting purposes and things like that. So it's interesting that that dynamic is prevalent and that it's, it's, it's global. It's not just something that we see here in North America. What's just give everybody a little bit about the history. Cause you were talking, we were, as we were going in and out about, you were talking about the EU and mm-hmm. the protections with wolves there in Poland. And I, and I read that too, that they are fully protected. So where, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just, putting a guess out here because we've spoken with other people who've done studies about the myths and legends and the urban myths in or the in that have come from Europe that made their way over to North America and that those myths and legends still persist about the werewolf, about wolves in general and how they'll come and eat the dead and and that is where those fears come from. Is that where I and I'm speaking Poland specifically because this is your area of expertise is that where a lot of that fear comes from and and where did Poland decide what was the decision to put them under protection because if there's so much fear it's it's surprising to me that they would put wolves and protect them and, and all predators for that matter but wolves specifically in this conversation mm, yeah so you know uh, we often joke in Poland that it all comes down to uh, red hood <laughs> You know, the tale of uh, Red Hood, right? Yeah, so uh, we have it too here. And in a way, it's true. uh, Because, you know, when you were a kid, uh, you didn't want to eat your dinner and your parents would say, or your grandpa, or eat eat your soup, because if not, the wolves, the bad wolves will come and eat you. You know, and they were, yeah, this is those are real stories even my my uh friend uh, she's a re- wolf researcher now she she would hear that stories and when she was little so so obviously there is this um just uh the the, the, the same stories um being said over and over again and i think they go back to the not any like real times and real experiences because my mother told me that her father told her <laughs> that they were living in this very like rural uh, village forestry area uh, and it was uh, before the second world war so you know like or in the middle of the well uh, maybe okay it was after the war so after 1945 and okay. she said that they would uh, take those fires, uh, like fire, how do you call it? No, there weren't lamps. There were like this fire, um, you know, they, but they were taking the horses and this this uh, fire with them to, uh, yeah, just go. I, I, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know the word for it, like you know, ma- like. Um, 
sticks, you're about sticks. Na- napalm? Yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah. Okay, got it. And to scare okay. away, the, away the wolves, because the wolves would come for the horses or for the cows that that they would travel to, you know, to to some market, to some, um, yeah, but to, to to some other village. And this is absolutely not true. I'm sure it was not true. But even my mom would say, okay, but this is what my my dad said. But I'm absolutely sure that there were no no wolves attacking the cows or the horses that were uh, accompanied by people. It's just the stories. Maybe there were some wolves, like if a cow was walking like two or you know far away uh, after those people, then maybe the wolves would attack this cow. Because after the war, there was uh, let's say um, not a lot of natural prey in the forest. Because during the war, people would you know hunt uh, a lot of those um, deers and other uh, animals. So wolves obviously had less to to hunt in the forest. So maybe yeah, they would go for the stock uh, a bit more. Also. Uh, Maybe there were some dogs left uh, in the forest after the war, even by a uh, German, German, um, you know, army or, or Russian army. There were legend, legends, I would say, that, yeah, they, they would train those dogs and then they were left in the forest. I think some of those stories were true. So, you know, people would take those dogs, uh, like they would think those were the wolves, not, not actually dogs. So it's very complex, but, um, I would say it's not based on on anything true, anything that really happened. It's just this fear of a shadow. I think a wolf rep- represents a shadow in a way, a shadow in ourselves, shadow in the forest, which is uh, dark, which is, you know, if you see a wolf uh, and it's not Yellowstone from some high hill, you probably see it and, and if in a forest, you see it just for like, I don't know, a few seconds. If you see it for a minute or two, you're lucky, right? It's it's a shadow. It it just shows you shows her or himself for for you just for, for a few seconds, and we fear this. It's so like hard to catch, hard to imagine how those wolves even how they manage to uh, survive so many you know years of uh, trying to exterminate them. And this is the real fear, and the fear of uh, the wilderness, the being like this. Uh, um, how do you say that? The, the first people, you know, very uh, primary, uh, as the opposite of civilization, right? So all of those things make us fear. Okay, this is what wolves represents. Yeah, it's the pri- it's the primal aspect yeah, of it. Primal, I think that yeah, primal. Pe- yeah, exactly. That people, yeah. yeah, primal. Yeah, and it's. I'm sure you, you. I'm sure in the research that you were doing for your book, you saw this, and it's wolves in particular. It seems, and this is just not my opinion. I think it's from doing the amount of episodes that we've done and the amount of people we've spoken to. Is that really you see that wolves are these these animals that is a mirror into the human self, yeah. and they're they're the one animal it seems over, I think, overarching that people really see themselves in. And I think that's the scary mm-hmm. part is they, they see either the, the, the good or they see the bad or sometimes the in-between and they find that balance. It's very rare to find that balance and there's where they, they see both that there's good and bad, but it's, it's usually the pendulum swings one way or the other. Did you find that too in, in the people that you spoke with who, who felt that way that they, 
that wolves were sort of this mirror into humans and that they, that's what either frightened them or, or, or got them excited one way or the other? Yeah, yeah. Even because, uh, you know, they are so similar to us in so many different ways. The the way they live, I mean, in families, in packs, but they're actually families. They're nothing, you know, like uh, yeah, a mom, a dad, and and a pair of you know different different uh, babies from different years, basically. Sometimes some aunt or, or a grandpa. Uh, so so yeah, this this is the first similarity. Then the way they hunt, I think it's very like. It reminds us of uh, of the way we hunt, and they are so intelligent and so smart about it, and so smart about many, so many different things. And yeah, this even for for the hunters that we uh, spoke about a bit, um, they say uh, to kill a wolf and to hunt a wolf before when it was uh, still allowed, it was a huge you know honor. It was like okay, a wolf is a great trophy. Because it's very hard to track and to hunt a wolf, to kill a wolf uh, in a forest like here. Because, you know, uh, it's important for, for the um, listeners to know that Poland, when you have forest, it's very hard even from some planes or helicopters. It's hard to see what's down there because the forests are so, you know, dense. And, and so it's really not an easy task to to kill um, such an animal as as wolf, right? Um, so, so yeah, it was a task, something huge for them to, to kill that animal. And, um, yes, yeah, so different aspects, but I think, um, this, uh, this, as you say, in, in a way, a mirror, yeah, wolf has it. Also, even the eyes, the eyes that look through you. I don't know if you've noticed it, but wolves look not only at you. Because sometimes they avoid humans um, uh, looking just directly into your eyes, uh, but they look if you encounter them, them, they look throughout you, and I think that may be scary for people too. Like, what does this mean? I can't not read it. They don't have those, you know, uh, dogs. Uh, dogs uh, de- developed those um, muscles, you know, to mimic humans. And, uh, over the eyes and um, wolves don't have it. The eyebrows, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's so so hard for us to to read. What do they think? What is it all about? You know, yeah. And and we can't read the yeah. the body language that well. So if we look at the tail, you know, then you work with uh, those uh, wolves in the shelter and and wolf dogs, from what I understood. And you probably understand the, the wolf uh, dog language very well, but yeah, for for regular people, it's like, oh, w- w- what's happening? Ear a little bit like to the right, ear a little bit to the left, right? And the wolves are, you know, they know what's happening, but yeah, people are lost. So yeah, I guess it's also a mystery of of of, of the wolves. Yeah, yeah, we we get that a lot, and you're right. We're working with them it brings a totally different perspective because you can understand and, and it takes a long time to understand the language. You really have to be with them for a while to truly get, okay, there's, there's going to be a reason. Like if, if this goes, you know, and, and they well, like you say, wolves are extremely intelligent. So there's always little, little clues here and there. Okay. We need to make sure that we, 
we do things a certain way so that we, we, we have this bond on an even playing field. And that's really what it used to be back you know, tens of thousands of years ago is that we were, we were bonded with these animals in a different way than we are today. And it's to see that evolution of domestication and then dominance and then trying to get back to this balanced perspective of these were animals that taught us, like you say, how to develop the family structure, how to hunt in a way that we were able to survive. Because I think that's something that as humans evolved or as homo sapiens, you know, homo sapiens, neanderthals, whatever it was, you get to a point where if you have a family structure, how are you going to feed this family or your group or your pack dynamic and learning those tools? It, it just, like you say, it's, it's complicated, but it's simple. And I think there are just so many similarities there in that way that people have lost. And that's the beauty of our sanctuary is to see when people come here and they, maybe they realize something that they didn't realize before. And I'm sure you've had these encounters too with other biologists, individuals that you speak to that the overarching theme, and, and it seems what's interesting in what you've said, and there, and there are a couple of the people that say this, that even those that hunt the wolf respect the wolf and they see that the wolf is this, I don't know what the word, I can't, I can't, it's not coming to my brain right now, but they are almost the, they, they're like the ultimate steward of the environment. And I, it, I, I think it's understood in a way. And unfortunately, I feel like the human brain gets in the way with myths, legends, stories, politics, social tolerance. And it's, it's like you say that primal level is a very scary thing for people to get down and drop into and where they would probably find they have more in common with the wolf than they want to believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's very interesting to me also that, uh, for example, we hate and fear wolves so much. And for example, with bears, I don't know how it's in United States, but in Poland, People don't fear bears that. I mean, okay, in, if they encounter them, like from you know, five meters maybe, okay, th- that's scary. But otherwise, they have this idea of a teddy bear. Okay, I'm gonna feed this bear. Oh, it's so cute. Blah blah blah. You know, and then we have huge problems. But in general, bears are like viewed in much uh, better. I would say, I don't know. Like there are not so many people's uh, people against uh, bears as as uh, against wolves as yeah you know what i mean so it's it's very like where does it come from and with bears we also have a lot of similarities like you know they would stand on two uh legs and and those hind legs or they would uh, eat honey yeah they eat the, the larvas and honey but yeah mostly right but you know there are similarities too they grab things with their hands and still Bears are not okay in those legends and those myths. Yeah, obviously, um, for indigenous people, bears were important too. But with wolves, somehow this idea of uh, a scary spirit, I guess, 
uh, survived and and with with other animals uh, it it's it's not the same it's just not the same it's very interesting and i didn't find just one answer there were many answers to to that you know why but uh i guess in a way it started with us or with you know we were all nomadic people at some point most of us were were nomadic nomads right we were traveling and and with the point maybe two no twelve thousand years ago i think twelve thousand or more yeah uh we stopped being nomads and we you know uh started to grow lands to to have those stock animals and then we start the fight with with the wolves not only you know before we would learn as you said from them how to hunt how to do this that and and then we yeah something changed in that dynamics and um and it happens till today. And you, before you ask about how we did it in Poland, that we have uh, the full protection of, of wolves, it was a long, long road, actually. Um, it was, well, if you want, I can tell you like shortly uh, the, the, the story yeah. of, of protection. Please. So after the war, basically mm, the situation of wolves were, was quite good uh, till 19th century because they were not hunted like more or less like nothing huge for example in england they were exterminated already already in the 15th century so you know like four centuries before so in poland it was quite late that they even started to to hunt wolves and it was basically those kings or you know important people uh but they they were quite okay in the forest um till the second world war so uh, 39 40 45 1945 was the end of the war and uh the hunters estimated we have around seven 700 wolves at the time after the war and they said okay it's too many you know it's too many they, they are eating all the cows and everything it, obviously it wasn't too many for for a country with a lot of forests but okay, it was true that they were cutting those forests after the war, you know, to rebuild everything because there was not enough, not not a lot of money. So they would cut a lot of those forests, and that's true. But so okay, at that point, from uh, okay, fifty six, nineteen fifty six, they would start this wolf action. That was the name of it, and they would try to exterminate, almost exterminate uh all the wolf uh, population so you were allowed to take uh pups from the den you were allowed to poison them you would be paid for that you would be paid very well it was like one salary in in the industry so it was the communist times so you know it was a lot of money like for one wolf you would get uh, an equivalent of one salary in, in industry at this time you know so it was really a lot of money so uh so yeah basically till the 70s they there were only like from those 700 only like maybe around 60 something wolves uh so yeah almost almost none uh only in the south and as i said in the like uh, east north of poland so 
then in the 75 they changed the law and okay they said only the hunters because before it was uh, it was you me you whoever wanted can go and take a pup from there so, right the lay person yeah, yeah terrible so 75 they changed the law okay only hunters and they um, made some um, protection periods like you know okay you can hunt only from this to this time like two seasons um but still it was huge it was First of all, it was huge business for for the communists. Uh, I mean, because uh, most of the um, important people in the government would hunt. Also, not only in Poland but in different uh, communist countries. Like we would have guests from Spain, like Fidel Castro. We would have uh, the King Pahlavi, you know, coming to to Poland to hunt. And uh, who else? There was uh, oh yeah. Uh, Tito would uh, from so a lot of like those uh, dictators from different countries would come, pay a lot of money to hunt a wolf in or a bear in Poland. Mostly wolves with bears it was more difficult. So it was a huge, huge business. So okay, there were hunting class, but still they would you know mm, they would do it for money and like like sell it for um, yeah for for um, they would yeah. Basically, that's that, that's it. Anyway, uh, then, so again, the situation of uh, of the population wasn't much better. So around like a late eighties, um, those organizations like uh, nature protection organizations started those campaigns in Poland to protect wolves, to show the public that wolves are needed, that they are you know regular, normal animals, and. Those campaigns took like more or less 10 years. And in 95, 1995, we had like first parts of Poland to uh, get the protection. And 1998, it was the full protection. So it was a battle of more or less 10 years to to get the public on the right side. So to to tell them, okay, wolves are fine. You know, we would have those um, and those posters saying, um i'm wild i'm not bad or something you know different different things were happening a lot of uh talks in different parts of, of poland and a lot of exhibitions things like that they were doing a lot of things just to talk to to the public and because poland is as i said you know we have a lot of forests and people are very mm, connected to the this, those forest nature in a different ways it's not only a good way but they are you know, kind of proud of it. So they, the nature protection organizations just help people to, um, yeah, to like feel proud of that we have those wolves. Yeah, and in a way, we are an example in Europe. Poland is uh, an example and also a migration point uh, for the west of uh, of of Poland, well, the western part of Poland. There, you know, the the rest of the Europe there. Uh, the wolves from Poland migrate there. So, um, so I don't know. Germany has wolves because of Poland. Okay, they they are not all that happy about it. <laughs> I mean, there are people that are, but there are the others that are. Yeah. Uh, so in a way, in Poland, we are actually quite lucky because a huge group uh, of the society is for wolves, is actually for the protection. And uh, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's a huge success of uh, both those organizations, and I think just yeah, I had constant work of you know reminding people 
why it's important that we have, you know, full, uh, yeah, full, full ecosystem. I would say because if we have predators, we have the full like, ecosystem working. Yeah, absolutely. Just tell everybody too, Anna, about your work, what you're doing now, because we, we've we've talked about all of your history, your background, your, you, and you've given everybody who's listening a, a really in-depth look at what it's like to to be in Poland with wolves. But for you, as you go forward here, what's what's a lot of the work that you're doing now? Because I. I, I imagine you're still writing. I'm sure there's other things, but what just give everybody because you're in the national park. So tell everybody what your what are your day to days right now? What's your what's your outlook as, as the future uh, comes upon us? Like what are you what are you up to at this moment? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm actually working on a second book uh, that I cannot talk about, like you know the specifics of the book, but it's again connected to the nature and nature protection i would say and uh, yeah <laughs> predators <laughs> so That's yeah great. i'm in the right spot and this is actually why i moved to the south because i wanted to be close to this 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 part where mm, my subjects live <laughs> i would say um and you know to to understand them to better understand the the, the whole uh, process to to see how it is to live here nearby them. And this is the first thing I do. So I, I write. Mm, but um, I also go to the forest and, you know, with wolves, you, okay, the book is done, but my work with with wolves is never done. I would say I, I can't imagine that at some point I would just stop doing things for wolves because, you know, um there are a lot of pressures as, as i said from the hunters and um some farmers uh, we didn't talk about farmers yet but yeah to reverse the law to you know get wolves uh, hunted again to allow the hunters to 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 hunt them and um there is a lot of poaching uh so the biologists in poland uh, estimated it for around one, I, I'm going to tell you how big is the whole population in a second, but they estimated that 150 wolves are uh, shot, being shot each year illegally. So if you have full protection and, you know, uh, the, the whole population is around 2,000, more or less, because, you know, may, it may be a bit bigger now because this number comes from 2019 and it was a genetic counting too, so it's quite, yeah, it's, it's, you can trust this number, but, you know, it, it can be a bit bigger because there was still, after 98, you know, it was, wolves were uh, only in the, some parts of Poland and they, then after um, 10 years, there were in bigger parts and then, right, from 2015, I, I think more or less, we have them in most parts of most forests of, of, of Poland. But there are still small, small uh, migrations going on too, uh, happening, obviously. So uh, what I do is I try to educate. I do those uh, meetings uh, with people. Um, it's sometimes about book, and I just explain 
you know, how it all works and people come and ask questions and it's beautiful. I'm, I'm really happy that they are so interested. I'm even happy when hunters come and if we argue, it's, it's good because people listen to that and hear all the arguments from both sides. Um, and I write articles or I write some responses to this um, quite nasty um, comment commentary com comments on 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 the internet. Uh, after those uh, under those articles, we, we have thousands, like tons of fake news right now, because uh, in the whole Europe there is this trend to reverse this protection. Not all the European countries have has uh, they have full protection but a lot of them and so you know hunters are trying in the whole europe to reverse that situation so they put a lot of fake news in the in the internet in the you know this this um, internet media not on the internet actually and there are really nasty things like we had this man um who died in the forest and there was a, a body found after like few months. And this body was basically eaten by animals, different animals. You, you, still the, the Bureau of, how do you call it? Um, the investigation, you know, Bureau of, of such cases didn't estimate the, the real cause, which animals were actually eating, uh, preying on that, on, on, on that body. Of this man, but never mind when media saw the pictures because somebody illegally sent those pictures to the media. Then the the hunters would like uh, you know um, send those pictures to them like one to another and then next and so these pictures for for of this Polish poor man who was well just who just died there of, of cold he went out he was probably not um fully like mentally well and he went out it was very cold it was during the winter and he got lost and yeah unfortunately died so uh that was the the cause of death just natural uh and then it was used those same pictures were used in bosnia so and they they were saying those Bosniak, uh, so Bosnia and Herzegovina, you know, the Baltic countries, they were saying the hunters there were, were saying that wolves killed a person and ate a person in Bosnia. And you had the same pictures of this Polish man eaten. Well, okay, his body was eaten by some probably small scavengers, not even wolves, because there weren't like, you know, when you when you've seen a wolf prey you know when it's a wolf prey i mean even it wouldn't be much left and with those were different um pictures different different case but yeah media really in poland and in different countries use this tragedy of some family of some men to make um you know this attempt to to kill wolves again and this is what I'm trying to stop. Like it's a constant work, you know. You have to respond to this in media or in this, uh, you know, social uh, Facebook or whatever. And yeah, this is what I do too. And it's not a fun job, but it's something I guess important to to try to educate people. And the last thing, I do workshops with kids, not only with kids, but I take people to the nature and just, you know show them some praise kids are yeah, you know they are not scared of um killed deer they're excited or with a if they find a 
uh, a dog shit, basically, a wolf, sorry, you know, a scat of, uh, of a wolf, then, then they are excited. Oh, yeah, we, we see what's inside. Okay, there are so bones. And this is, yeah, this is what I do. I, I do this kind of education so people understand. And, yeah, I say you have to love something or at least like something to, to protect it. So I try to. Yeah do that you clearly do you you love it i mean you're you're in it completely literally because you're in the forest and you're and you're there so that you can be enveloped in all of this the future for wolves in poland do you believe it's still going to be this back and forth of love hate acceptance non-acceptance or is there is there a way that you see that coexistence could prevail in the end and that we'll have more of a middle ground as opposed to two polarizing sides? Um, unfortunately, I'm less optimistic that uh, I was, let's say, uh, how many years? Uh, 2021, so two years ago, my book went out. And uh, when I was finishing it, I, okay, I started writing it because I was afraid that uh, the law would get reversed and the walls were you know, are going to be hunt again. Then during the writing process, I thought, okay, now they are safe. Public is for duels, like mostly, and yeah, it's the public will not allow it. And now, unfortunately, for like a few months, this campaign of the hunters, maybe some of the farmers, but I say hunters because even when I think about the farmers being against wolves, I think it's not the farmers themselves because it's a different situation in Poland with the farmers than in the United States. You have uh, you have rich hunter, uh, sorry, rich uh, farmers in U.S. In Poland, I, I think, what at least in Poland, most farmers are not very very rich anymore. At least those uh, those rich ones they don't they don't care. But the poor ones they care if they lose you know one cow or whatever you know some some sheep. So um, this is a real problem for them. But uh, we have a really good comp- compensation programs uh, for for the farmers. So I think it wouldn't be a problem. Uh, for the farmers but the hunters do the work because hunters are very a lot of hunters uh, work in the forestry and in the foresters are like gods like priests we have priests in the small uh, in small villages you have priests and hunters there are two uh, it's not the police police is not the, the the people you go to it's the foresters and the priests i mean regular village people from those little small villages, you know, in, in in the middle of nowhere. This is still the kind of like the, the I don't know, the ladder of power uh, again. So it's it's interesting. And uh, sadly, this, the foresters and the hunters, uh, I'll, let's say, set the tone and set the mindset of those other people so also the farmers so coming back to to um to my point is um i fear more and more <laughs> that uh it's not going to be that great because this it's a huge huge campaign really i'm if you turn on the internet each day you're gonna see some some um, article about like okay wolves killed a deer just by 
you know, entrance to the school or whatever, which is, you know, if you read exactly into that article, okay, you're going to know this was in the middle of nowhere, like in the forest. And, this, you know, it was not exactly the, the door of school, but just the fence. And yeah, wolves use fences to, to hunt, obviously, yeah, because it's, you know, a good barrier. It's like a stop point for, for to, to hunt a deer, let's say through some something like that um so so i'm not that optimistic but uh, i still hope that uh you know education and those people who we have a lot of people who are for nature protection who know that the climate changes are so huge and you know we cannot stop them basically but if we want to help the situation we cannot kill all the animals that are left, there are not that many, you know, 2,000 wolves in Poland, come on, it's not a lot. I mean, you know, we have like how many people in the world right now, you know, and we were the, we and wolves were the uh, species that would be the most, um, like we would go, sorry, (laughs) I saw it's okay. Okay, you can cut it off. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. No, I, I hear you. Yeah, it's, yeah, but yeah, but you know, we we and wolves, uh, humans and wolves were the. Uh, what's the? How do you say it? Spe- I'm always mixing this words. Not spe- species, species, species. Yeah, the uh, well, they were the they were like the. You mean the? They were the they were the top species that no, we're talking I, about. Like I'm the saying that they were in all of the continents almost, and you know, only us. And oh wolves yes, were, like, yes. And, the, and the, this, you know, we were. Yeah, they were all over the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, never mind. I think you can cut it somewhere there. No, that's fine. <laughs> no, I know. I I I get the point you're making, and it's I I hear you, and it's the the one thing I'll say is that I I I've noticed with some of the individuals that we speak with and, and you're one of them that it, this, this attitude seems to be trending more in the pessimistic or negative direction. And it's not due to the hard work and it, it's what, what we've found out or what we're starting, what we realize is really just the social tolerance angle of wolves and that it's not about, anything environmental it's not about balance it's not about ecosystems it really is about tolerance and the social aspect of where humans are at this moment and the power that they can wield over any sort of species because we're in a place that we're able to do that we have all these things at our disposal that and as you said we're in i think the sixth what is it? The sixth great yeah. extinction or the yeah. sixth mass extinction right now. And as you say, I mean, wolves are just one part of all of these uh, animals, plants, uh, all this life that is being wiped away from the planet as we speak. So it's, it's a battle that we, you know, we, we take seriously, you know, that Stephen and I are, you know, we're just trying to get the information out there and, and it's people like you that are literally in it in the forest that are writing these articles that, that are writing these books that are doing these workshops to engage the public and to make sure that they have an appreciation for the world that's around them, uh, that they can be immersed in something that's not, uh, that's more natural as opposed to around the cities and, and things like that. 
My last question for you, Anna, is when you hear the word wolf, what is the thing that comes to your mind? Wild. Wild, yeah. <laughs> wild in the best possible sense. Wild as um, adventurous, honest, impressive, uh, open-hearted. Um, yeah, yeah, like invincible which is not true i mean as we spoke before as you said before um they are not they are actually quite easily killed and uh, it's not that is not that hard to exterminate them totally uh so they actually need our protection uh, as you said this is this is something that's it's very sad for me that it's the social um Acceptance is actually the, you know, um, the thing that determines the their being, you know, the being of the rest of the world, I would say, anything that is not human. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess the hope is that we will find this wilderness of wolves in our hearts and, you know, like, try to, that this wilderness will wake us up to yeah to the to the real life and to the real world right that's still there fortunately yeah, yeah it's there for everybody to to engage with and to be immersed exactly. in absolutely anna majuk thank you so much for your knowledge your influence your time and it was just wonderful meeting you just hang on for a second when we sign off because i want to go over some things but Thank you for everything that you're doing and best of luck to you in all of the, the future endeavors and that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All the best Absolutely. to you. Yes, all the best to you too. How's to you all out there and we'll be with you next time. Bye everybody. Looking for more information about Wolf Connection or the podcast? Please visit our website at wolfconnection.org where you can donate, sponsor a wolf, or become a volunteer.